Welcome everybody to the Night Watch Games podcast. This is season three, episode five. Uh, it is me, Porik, along with Brenda. And today we have actually a trio of guests. Uh, they're almost one entity in our mind, but there's three individuals here that we're going to get to know. One is Connor, and then across the table from him is his brother, Kyler, and then Jordan. So first of all, let's get to know our, our actors, per se, here. So, yeah, um, I'm Connor, and I was born and raised in San Antonio. Kyler and I have a background in theater, and we grew up with parents who loved fantasy and medieval things. And later in my life, I got I got into board games. And before I met either one of you, Brenda or Pork, I would play games at Night's Watch. I would go play with some co-workers back when I worked at the Witty Museum. Were you working at the Witty Museum as a curator or? Yeah, so I was working at the Witty as a graphic designer. That was my history in college. I did, uh, my major was visualization. Um, it's a combination of uh, video games, coding, uh, graphic design, and animation. Are you so, still doing that kind of thing? Yeah, here and there. Um, I also do the graphic design and um, some of the marketing stuff for our companies that we work with. So across the table is your brother. Kyler, yes. Kyler, yes. <laughs> uh, I was going to broach the idea that you guys are twins. Am I assuming there? We, uh, You would be. You would be assuming. Uh, right. We are not uh, twins, per se. We are um, very close looking, you know, and we share a lot of similarities in personality and uh, everything. But no, uh, 22 months apart. Um, something we do take pride on is, is being, uh, very close with each other. Um, and throughout growing up, there was spats, uh, in the young age, but, um, we went to college separately and then after college, uh, uh, started living together in Austin for the last three, three, four years or so just became really close, uh, you know, as a working relationship, a living relationship and just kind of re-blossomed our brotherhood. The third person of the trio here is Jordan. Hi. I don't look like them, no. Nobody's confused me for the boys as they're <laughs> collectively known. Um, yeah, I w I'm probably, you know, was the least likely guy to own a LARPing company growing up. That just wasn't what I did. I was always secretly, you know, nerdy. Um, that story I like to tell is uh, I used to ditch my sports teammates after school when they'd go hang out after practice and do cool stuff. And I'd go home and watch Dragon Ball Z with my best friend instead of whatever else they did. So I've always been kind of nerdy. Um, in college, I had a, um, a roommate. His name is Dave. Shout out to Dave. And he introduced me to D&D &D and LARPing and all of the, the nerdier side of life. And so I kind of always had an interest of it uh, from there. Um, played a little bit of D&D, &D, played some board games, that kind of stuff. And then the LARPing thing came later. My my journey to get where I am now was long and complicated and, and strange. Basically, the way that it happened was I was working at an insurance company and I watched I watched the owner of the insurance company come in later than everybody else and leave before everybody else. He made a lot of money and I really liked him. He was the guy that hired me and I just saw him and I was like, he clearly does what he loves every day. And I do not sitting in this cubicle. I so I was like, I cannot, I cannot do that for the rest of my life. I wanted to um, start something of my own and and do something that I actually cared about. And, you know, I know insurance is important, and you know, no hate on folks that uh, that do insurance all day every day, but it just wasn't for me. And so I wanted to do something else. I've always been like a you know a, a person who follows his passions, and you know, when I was younger, that was sports. And as I got older, I was like, well, what is it going to be? Because I'm not gonna. Not gonna be a professional athlete. That that ship had sailed. 
I had already started, I own the website LARPing.org. So I had started that as like a hobby site. That was, you know, kind of how things went. And then I actually started, you know, this this trip that I own, which is how we met called the Voyage North, where we take a whole bunch of people every year up to Beacolin in Canada, which is a giant 200 building medieval village with a couple thousand people for a week. I started that trip out of the desire to go and actually like experience one of these gigantic LARPs where it's, you know, like I'd seen on YouTube for years and this way over the top experience. That's what I wanted. So that Canadian LARP pre-existed before the Voyage North. Oh yeah. It had been around for 18 years. So it's been around a long time. 2020 would have been their 25th anniversary. Their 25th anniversary has been pushed back a few years, so it'll be this summer now. No, it's a long trip for yeah, some of us. That's <laughs> Yeah, well, I was living in Seattle at the time, so it was pretty far. So it, it wasn't quite like that. Basically, what happened was I went to a few smaller LARPs, and I didn't have a good time, and I wanted to have a really good time. So originally, I thought, like Conquest and Drakenfest in Germany. And I was like, well, I'm going to go there. And so I started to put together a plan, but I was like, I want to do it right. I want to have like the costume of my dreams. You know, I want to have the full Viking kit. I, I like Viking stuff. And um, I want to stay in a, in, a, in a real medieval tent. And, and I didn't want to eat cereal and hot dogs. You know, I wanted to have a real breakfast and that kind of thing. So I started looking at that and I was like, this is not happening. It's way too expensive. And then one of my friends was like, well, what about Beakling? You should just go there. The plane ticket can't be that expensive to Montreal. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So I started looking into the same thing. Beakling at the time, they speak French in Quebec, and it was really hard to figure out how do I go to this thing. So I made some friends through like the LARP community, and we started to make a plan. And really what it was, was I priced out going by myself, and it was so high that there was no way I could do it. And so I was like, this this will this will never happen. I was kind of bummed about it for a few days, and then I literally had the idea for the trip like as a shower thought. There's got to be a way to make this more cost effective. And I was like, well, how do you make it cheaper? Well, you sell it to a whole bunch of people. And that's how you make anything cheaper. So I got out of the shower and literally in my towel started a spreadsheet <laughs> and just started figuring it out. And it took a while. And then I did the math and figured out like, okay, how many people will it take so that I can go? You know, I'll do all the work to take you. I'll pave the way. I'll talk to everybody and plan out the tents and the cots and the food and the camp and all of that stuff and the transportation from the airport and and all of that. And so I, I made a plan for it. And then me and a friend, we made a website and we spammed it all over Facebook, just like crazy people. We we convinced just enough people to go with us. Yeah. And, and then that's kind of how it started. And, and Kyler and Connor, were you part of that initial trip up? No, no, we were not there for the initial we joined in in 2019, 2019. for the, the Voyage North there, and that's where we uh, met Jordan. Mm -hmm. um, we had had a couple friends that had been going for previous years. They'd gone for about three years in a row and were constantly trying to get us to, to come join this adventure, come join this adventure. And finally just gave in and said, well, I guess why, why not? And now we can't stop. <laughs> so so um, it was definitely a life-changing experience for us and uh, meeting Jordan just kind of open us up to kind of say, well, how, how do you, how do you do what you're doing and how do we get involved? You know, from there, it just snowballed into what we're doing today. When creative people are putting their energy towards an effort, it's creating this groundbreaking trail, or as I envision it, a, a boat cutting through churning waters of unhappiness and they're paving their own way to happiness. But behind that boat is this wake, sort of a void that people get sucked into 
and they latch onto the boat because the boat is now obviously got a course and it's got a lot of power. You guys got sucked into the wake of Jordan and his efforts. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What's the next chapter of that story? It goes all over the place. <laughs> oh, it's not as simple as... I mean, it, it kind of is. I mean, we took 21 people the first year and then we... Um, we took 42 people the second year, and then we took 120 people the third year, and it just kind of grew from there. And so had to figure out all kinds of things, logistics and planning. And the trip is basically the same. It's just it's just bigger and more complex, and there's more people, and we were much more entrenched in, like, you know, there. it took us a while to get in on the, you know, the 20-year-old game that had been going on. I mean, Beakling, the, the folks there are incredibly welcoming. They're so friendly. You know, it's a big welcoming party. I, I mean, we just, obviously we keep going back, so we think it's pretty awesome. After we'd been going for a few years, I started dreaming about doing a LARP, a live action role-playing event here in the States. You know, the I had a vision for what I wanted to do in my head. It took the right location. So I had looked for a long time. I even dreamt uh, buying land. I once found a castle for sale in Georgia, I think. And um, <laughs> spent some time daydreaming, probably too much time daydreaming about buying a castle. But yeah, I mean, trying to find the right location for what we wanted to do, uh, the right place to host it. Because, you know, taking uh, even 500 people out in the woods with no amenities is is a tall order. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like a, a Renaissance fair grounds in the off-season is a no-brainer. It does now in retrospect, right. yeah, mm-hmm. right? But, um, you know, I, it's not like I knew a whole bunch of uh, rent fair owners and stuff like that. So Adam, he's like my business mentor and one of my closest friends. Um, he was actually Robin Hood at Sherwood, and that's how the connection with Sherwood happened. And um, met George, who's one of the owners of Sherwood. And um, we had like one conversation, and it was like, okay, yeah, we're doing this. So um, he he loved the vision for what we wanted to do with Heinefall, the event that we're going to run there. I mean, the timing, kind of back to what you said about like the timing and how did we get here. I mean, the pandemic spurred it because it was like, well, we can't do the voyage north. We can't go to Canada. So where can we do it? And Texas and Sherwood was a no brainer. I knew people, you know, through Adam and we we made the, the connection and then we started planning. So one of the other themes that the podcast is unraveling when people are choosing, building their happiness, choosing their dream and and chasing it is that they never do it alone. It's it's almost impossible to do anything that is substantial solo. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't be here and done as many things as I had if Adam Lyons is his name, if he hadn't come on the Voyage North. I mean, he came... Um, there's hilarious stories, but he helped me like problem solve a very mad French chef, um, on, on that year that he came, he was incredibly helpful towards the end of the trip. He, um, you know, he just basically said, you know, I, um, I help, I help businesses all the time. And he said, I think I can, I think I can help you grow this thing. Do you want some help? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never run an event before. I had never owned a business before. I had never done any of those things. And Adam gave me tons of time and advice and i mean and then we became friends and i mean he's he's helped me basically every step along the way i mean i owe him so for the three of you is this now a full-time job let's start with you connor after 2019 when we met at beagling uh the pandemic happened so kai and i lost our our jobs down in the music industry in austin um and so we started working with jordan at first it was part-time and from there it's become like a full-on job it's it's what we do every day now and it's great and like you were saying we wouldn't be able to do the things that we want to do without having met jordan we kind of fell into his wake 
he just kind of let us go the first year at, at Bicoline. And he was like, hey, I need some of this stuff done. And we were like, we can do it. And we did extra stuff even. And Jordan was... So first of all, they drove from Austin to Montreal. And two and a half hours beyond Montreal. And like... We made the voyage north. We hadn't met Jordan. We just talked to him on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just, when I yeah. when I talked to people on the phone to come volunteer for the setup, because it's a lot of work. I mean, it's setting up medieval tents for a week moving piles of firewood and all kinds of other non-glamorous tasks. Let's just say that. It's a ton of fun. I I miss the event. I miss Beakling, but I miss the setup because it's just hard work and labor every day. Like even the stuff that we do every day, we sell tickets and we make creative things. There's something really fascinating about like building a medieval camp and seeing it come to life. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the week, you're like, yes, all these people are going to show up and they're going to love what we built. It's kind of a cool thing, but it is a monstrous amount of work. Like it's, it's grueling. So I try to scare away volunteers. I try to tell them like, you don't want to do this. It's going to be terrible. And then crazy people sign up and show up anyways but and i'm one of them right like i do it it's not like i, I i'm not doing all the work too so oh, friend, we have three crazy people in our house right now uh, five. 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 Yeah. there you go <laughs> they show up they've just driven like 24 hour drive or 30, something 30 yeah hours. i mean and they they looked as disheveled and tired <laughs> and distraught as you can possibly imagine their hair's all greasy no offense guys you're beautiful the rest of the time so mm-hmm. i think this is fine <laughs> And they get out of the car and I was like, hi, nice to meet you. I shook their hands and I was like, okay, get to work. Here's what you got to do. And they were like, oh, okay. So the first day goes by and then I had this box of tiny little lanterns and I had boxes and boxes of these lanterns we didn't use anymore. And I was like, well, we got to do something with these. And so I pulled them out and I I grabbed them and I said, hey guys, I have this crazy idea. I want to string these lanterns all through the camp. But in order to do it, we have to come up with like a rope and pulley system so we can lower them and quickly like replace the T-line that go in it and this whole thing and I, I I looked at them and they're standing like shoulder to shoulder and it was like out of a movie they turned at the same time made eye contact for like five seconds turned back and looked at me and Kai goes yeah we can do it and I was like did you guys just read each other's minds like <laughs> yeah. what 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 is this <laughs> So, and then, yeah, they're right. Like after that, it was, that year was the smoothest year for the trip we ever had. Like almost every day I would go, you know, cause I kind of run around and troubleshoot and talk to people and I handle like any big issues or stuff like that. And every time I'd come back to the camp, I'd be like, okay, did you guys do this and this and this? And every time they'd be like, dude, it's all done. It's all done. And it, and it, and it was, I, I joke, people always ask me like, what's my favorite part of the trip? My favorite part of the trip is getting to take a nap in a hammock in the afternoon. That's my favorite part of the trip. Cause it's a, it's a long thing. And, um, that year I took a nap in a hammock every single day. Yeah. Having good people around you is, is so vital and it's so stress relieving to know that your back is covered. We, Kai and I are familiar with Sherwood fair already. We had, we had gone in the past mm-hmm. and when Jordan mentioned that he was looking for places and just the idea of running our own version of the Voyage North, we were, you know, looking for places in New England area and Pacific West Coast area. Not It didn't even cross our minds to, to think of a Ren Fair here in Texas. He just and calls then, us up one day um, says, hey, I spoke, I spoke with George. I spoke with Adam. They're doing Sherwood. We're looking at you guys so good with it. Oh, it's just like it's just like the string lights. We looked at each other and said, okay, yeah, here we go. Well, it's a front yard, right? I mean, right. Right. I can Listen. speak for thousands of people when I say thank you for choosing Texas. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We are super excited it's here in Texas. There is a whole culture of Renaissance goers that are clamoring for more. 
And while they have the TRF and they have Sherwood and Scarborough, and there's tons of these mini cons and mini fairs that are popping up, the communities out there are really looking for more. And I think that you guys came in at the right time. Oh, yeah. Even more so at this point after um, meeting people in the community and working out at the fair. It's crazy how many people are excited and looking for things like this. Mm -hmm. Actually, it is ripe time to open up your own brick and mortar store that sells this kind of stuff. That's one Mm -hmm. of the things that in the discovery of the communities, opening our minds up to Night's Watch and the sanctuary was just one of those. I think it was one of those key aspects made us realize that whoa these this, there is a community here and they're and they do want to be more in depth with it and they do want to uh, really get involved and and put their all into this imaginary play and this this um lifestyle it's it's viable when we opened up the sanctuary we had had a couple of years of pre-sale of merchandise in this back room in night watch games and we thought it was sort of just kind of a, an homage to LARPers or Renaissance goers. And we thought that's enough. But the room itself is only 25 by 25 feet. I can tell you exactly why we started selling LARP gear. is because in order to get all of our own LARP gear at wholesale, we had to also sell it. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> justify the retail. That room had to pay for itself. When, when you're doing retail, every square foot that you have has to sort of pay for itself. And we found, surprisingly, that there were plenty of people buying gear. It was swords and tabards and armor. And while there wasn't a large number of sales, we realized the reason was the space that we were selling it was just difficult to shop. It was dark. It was kind of cramped. There was a lot of inventory. It was hard to put on. Uh, So we think that if we were able to take that inventory and spread it out into its own store, that it was going to do much better. And we've discovered it does really well. Gangbusters. Which just points out there's a community out there that's that's looking for this. Yeah. And and I think that's what we were talking about is that the Texas community is gnawing at the bones of Renaissance fairs and they're always looking for more meat to jump into. The beginning of the sanctuary was a validation of that desire by the customer base. And that we're now seeing customers come as far as Dallas to shop a brick and mortar store because there wasn't a fair on at the time. And so they have a place to go. Well, if I can speak to like the shop, a brick and mortar LARP store is an experience unto itself. Part of the Voyage North is we stop from the airport. We pick everybody up at the airport in buses and we drive to Artisans Dazur, which is a brick and mortar store that we love. And we have a good relationship with them. They've made us some custom armor and all kinds of other things. And like everybody goes nuts inside there because they've most people have never seen one it's really amazing to pick up all the stuff right to act like it's one thing to shop larp swords for instance on the internet it's totally different to pick one up and just swing it around a little bit you know it's it's different to like see a suit of armor and like put on the helmet and see how it looks and it feels it it changes everything you know a lot of people that i've talked to i've talked to a lot of people about larping over the years and one of the things i tell people is well when you get there and you're all dressed up, and everybody else is all dressed up, it doesn't feel weird. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel like going to, you know, a Halloween party or even a Ren Fair, because even at a Ren Fair, you know, which are great, and obviously I'm not hating on them at all, but it's different when every single person is dressed up and every single person is playing a character. Suddenly you're like, you're 
totally in it. So the idea that like you can actually go and try all this stuff on is amazing. And then another thing, like you mentioned, Texas, Heinefall by far will not be the first LARP in Texas. There are a ton of LARPs here. There's a ton of people that play Amp Guard and I think Daga here. And there's a really robust community, which is awesome. And I think that's you know, probably where your a lot of your customers are coming from. They're very familiar with those yeah. chapters. Do you see foresee in the future that you combine the efforts of LARPing chapters and Heinefall? Or do you really want to keep yourself distinct from other people's efforts? The way I see it is there's a reason why restaurants always build across the street from each other. The more people, the merrier. And not everybody likes to have Italian food every time they go out to eat. Sometimes they want, you know, whatever, Mexican or pizza. Or I think LARPing is 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 similar to that. I, I don't know what the first Ren Fair was in Texas, but the second one spurred on the third, spurred on, you know, all these other things that have come out of it. And I see LARPing the same way. Like each LARP is, is a thing unto itself. They have their own distinct cultures and rule sets and storylines and their own styles. I don't think we need to, you know, we're not trying to like be the uh, the one LARP that rules them all. Like I want our event inspires other people to to do things. And, you know, obviously all the people that go to all those different events are more than welcome to come to Heinefall. We'd, we'd love to have you. What the U.S. needs is, is, is more LARPs, not less, and um, more people taking the creative plunge to come up with their own, you know, stories and adventures to take people on. And, you know, for some people, Heinefall, that it's going to be this big event that takes up the whole fair, just won't be for them. Some people like uh, much more intimate stories and much more personal and, you know, less combat and or what, you know, whatever they're thing is. And I, I think that stuff's all, all great. We found the exact same dynamic in Nightwatch games. I've talked about this in some of the other episodes. And the idea is that as Nightwatch games in a game store, you can't please all the gamers. We cannot be the store that everybody likes. And there's going to be some things that we do that some people don't like and some things that we do that people really buy into and they, they become one of us kind of thing. It seems that a LARP of this scale is going to be the same thing. You're going to get your diehards that are going to find themselves tattooing Heinefall on their arm because oh, they're, gosh. they're so into it. <laughs> And then you're going to get some haters, right? You're going to get some people that just don't like what you're doing because yeah. they have a different value system is my theory. But the idea is that you aren't being elitist or isolationist about this. You are saying, look, I'm doing this thing. It's possible. I'm making it viable. I'm not going to get in your way if you go and do the same thing somewhere else. Do you find, as Nightwatch does, is we want them to up the standard of what it is to be a LARP or uh, an immersive adventure. You sort of don't want to support those efforts that are crappy. Here's the thing. I think with LARP, the thing that I've come to realize is I always use the analogy of vanilla ice cream for LARP. You know, when you go to the grocery store um, and you look at the vanilla section, there's like 10 different kinds of vanilla. And, um, you know, some people like vanilla bean, some people like homestyle vanilla, some people like French vanilla. I don't think that um, any one kind of LARP is better than the other. Um, I think some people like, you know, a lot of people really like Amp Guard. And Amp Guard is, it's a lot of fighting. It's a lot of combat. Um, it's its its fun and it's intense. And other people like, you know, games that are called like parlor style or Nordic style, which is there's no combat. Nobody has any foam weapons at all. And it's a much more like intimate, personal, interpersonal role play type experience. There's lots of people who have been playing, you know, what's commonly referred to as like a campaign LARP that might rent out a, um, you know, a section of a 
a state park or even just play in a park. And they love those games and they're passionate about it. And they, they love their characters and they love the experience and the community that comes along with that. And I think that's all well and good and fine. I think, you know, everybody has their own flavor of vanilla and you just choose the one you like the most. You know, the concept of LARP is, you know, it's often put to, um, you know, a medieval setting, medieval fantasy is the, you know, the most common thing I think that comes to people's minds because of movies like Role Models and Knights of Badassdom and that kind of stuff. But there are so many other LARPs. I mean, another Texas LARPer, his name is Riley Seaman. Shout out to Riley. But Riley is developing a science fiction LARP um, that is, and he is a, uh, he he is a computer programmer. And so it's going to come with all kinds of cool software and gadgets and all kinds of stuff. So there's, there's so much room for all kinds of things. And, you know, LARP is much bigger in, in Europe than it is here in the United States. Um, way bigger. I so mean, far. So, well, no, so yeah. far. We have a long way to catch up. Yeah. I mean, like in some places, um, you know, if you, if you bring up LARPing, everybody in the country would know what it is, you know, like they, they do it in schools, you know, that kind of thing. It can also be an incredible tool, right? Like you can, you, you're role playing somebody else. There's a lot of really beautiful things that you can do with that, you know, to whether that is to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes or to, you know, uh, become who you want to be. It's a, it's a cool tool. I want, I just like to support LARP in general. I, you know, that's what LARPing.org has been for a really long time. It, you know, it was a collecting place for LARPs, is for people to find LARPs on a big map and go to them. When we were stationed in Arizona, we play a lot of Airsoft. And we always thought Airsoft was its own thing. You go out on a field, you, you bring your guns and you shoot each other. But Brenda and I wanted to elevate it so that there was a scenario and there were expectations and there were roles that you adopted and missions and all this kind of stuff. And it was all still very airsoft. It was just what we called MILSIM, Military Simulation Airsoft. But looking back at it, it's really just LARPing. But the genre is modern warfare versus fantasy medieval stuff. Sure. But it gets real. I mean, I've like <clears throat> belly crawled through a field and dug through like cow dung to <laughs> get to where I was going and had like beetles hanging on me and stuff. So for hours, you know, and, and it's serious. Wow. It can be. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what Jordan is saying is there's a whole spectrum of intensity that can happen. If you were to rate Heinefall on the intensity scale of, let's start with immersion. What do you envision Heinefall? How immersive do you see Heinefall being? This if, one goes to 11. <laughs> nice very good i mean if you're by by immersion you mean like you're trying to the, the less you have to imagine yourself being there because it feels like you are i mean yeah we're going for as high as we can get you know there are certain things that are going to be unavoidable you know at night there will likely be some electric lights and you know it's a it's a ren fair so it's you know um we're not actually living in you know whatever the 1200s of 1200 yeah, yeah so um you know there will be some stuff like yeah there will be porta potties the, hopefully they're, they'll be mostly hidden. Um, you know, we're going to try and hide things that don't, what is the word? Anachronistic, right? Yeah. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're going to try and get rid of all that stuff so that, I mean, we're going for 11. We yeah. might, we might land at a nine, but we're going for 11. Yeah. As, as far as the immersion on an individual basis. And what I mean by that is how intense somebody who's coming to Heinefall wants to get with their role playing. It's a scale. It's not a single number. It's it's up to individuals. If they want to be heavy role playing and that's what they do all week, then it's set up so they can do that. If they want to just drink at the tavern and battle, it's set up so they can do that as well. So on a scale of one to 10, how combative will Heinefall be? 
Again, it depends on what you want. What, so what you bring. So yeah. you're really empowering the participants to set the level of involvement and immersion and angst. I guess the politics are also dependent on the players. Yeah, I mean, you might do political stuff the whole time or not interact with it at all if you don't want to. That's going to be pork. He's going to be doing political stuff the whole time. Yeah. Well, if I could walk around with a clipboard and a coffee, I, that's me. I delegate all sorts of trouble. You'll have to have a quill and a leather <laughs> bound, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stone tablet. Yeah. yeah. The reason we um, we kind of set it up that way, so there's different levels of intensity, is because we want to open up Heinefall and more than just Heinefall, the, the LARPing community, LARPing as an idea. We want to open that up to people who don't typically do that kind of thing. We don't want to, like, scare them off, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's a gateway. I've seen people drag their spouse, and they show up, and they have a, you know, they have a costume, and they have a, a game name, and they're like, yeah, I'll do the battles, and I'll, you know, drink at night, and, and, and laugh, and joke, and party with everybody, but that's all I'm doing. And by the end of the week, you hear them. They're talking politics, they're trying to find out what's going on, they're learning about the story, then the next year they come... Well, now they're they're all the way in. I mean, they're waist deep in the, you know, the minutia of the game. It sucks you right in. And so we, you know, we want to make sure that like um, Heinefall is a place where like if you're interested in the theme and you're interested in the story and you're interested in one of the things that's available at the game, which there's going to be many, then you'll find a place to be you know, comfortable and have fun. It's also pretty, you know, reflective of life, right? Like not everybody can be the politician. If everybody's a politician, I suppose no one's a politician, right? You know, not everybody can do all of the, you know, the quests and not everyone can drink all of the beer, you know, (laughs) you know, someone's got to. So I know that you're going for full immersion from the moment we get there or the moment that it starts. I know there's going to be a little time for us to get settled in and things like that. Of course. What about prior to that online? Will there be any way for us to start getting into character, start getting into the immersive side of it online with that private group that you've created mm-hmm. on Facebook? Yeah. So we'll do, um, you know, we, we start, we'll start with Zoom calls with everybody like we did. And then we'll slowly break it down to like, you'll have much more opportunity to do like role playing stuff with your guilds. Um, and then from there, we're going to give you guys a bunch of stuff to do and a bunch of tools and a bunch of information. And then what you as a guild, like you and your guild decide to do with that information, you want to start having meetings with other guilds beforehand. Like th- there's room for that in the story. So it doesn't, we're, we're doing it on purpose. We want you to talk about it. We want you to start speculating and trying to figure out like what in the world is going on. How, we got this information. What do we do with it? And so some of those discussions will happen in character and some of them will happen out. They'll probably start out of character. And then you guys will probably say like, well, you know, we're, we're allied with this other guild. We should probably meet with them and find out what do they know. And that's totally fine. Cause that's, you know, that's part of the story leading up to the event, right? Leading up to going back to Heinefall. Obviously, you got to take a week off work, right? This is an actual vacation, but they're providing the lodging Mm -hmm. and I believe two meals a day. Two meals a day. Mm -hmm. So your food and your lodging is included. And if you buy a ticket now, you have the option to pay it out between now and November. Yeah, there's a payment plan. There is a payment plan. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely attainable for all different levels of 
people. A couple different package levels. We have the standard package. That's the DIY level. So you bring your own lodging and your own food. So, and that can either be a period tent, so a medieval style tent, or it can be, you know, we'll have a section of camping that's modern tenting. And and then we have the immersive package and the couples package. They're essentially the same thing, but we will provide your food and your tenting. And then the couples package is obviously just for two people. And to what I understand, the main difference is that immersive, you wake up inside of the fairgrounds, non-immersive, you're outside of the fairgrounds in the camping section. Is that yeah, that's right. So as long as we have, until we run out of room inside the fair, then if you have an immersive ticket, you'll camp in the grounds, which is the unique part about what we're doing. Nobody's ever had like an event where you camp in the grounds. So we'll set up all the tents inside and you'll wake up every morning like in it, you know, and you'll go to bed in it. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be pretty cool. We have, uh, we've been going to Sherwood now for years and years, ever since they opened actually. And we've always wanted to stay inside of Sherwood Castle. So there's a castle with Mm -hmm. like five bedrooms in it on the fairgrounds. Those things are booked out. They're so far out. We can never get them. We saw that y'all were utilizing those rooms. And so first thing we did, what is it called? Royal package. The royal package. And I just booked it. I just bought it. And she I said, didn't even look at the price tag. I she just, just pressed go. Well, as soon as I heard you could pay it out, I was like, it's fine. It's okay. Many do. Yeah. Many yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thing- we know that Heinefall is going to be pretty extreme because it's intense. Nice. It is intense. Wow. Wow. One thing I do want to say about um, our different packages is that the only difference between the standard, the immersive, and the royal and couples is logistics. Yeah. There's no difference in gameplay um, for the lore part of things. There's no pay-to-win system set up. So. Everybody's in a guild. Everybody gets access to the story and the politics and the quests and the battles. There's nothing, there's nothing that you're missing out on. It's just, do you want us to put you up and feed you or not? And question for those of us, and I say us because I want to fight in the tournament, for those of us who get there and don't actually own LARP weapons, but we want to fight in the tournament, will weapons be available for us to borrow? We don't include costuming, you know, your kit, your gear, whatever. You, there's so many colloquial terms for what you call a LARP, what you wear at a LARP. Garb. Anyways, garb. Yeah, yeah, garb. There's one I forgot. Um, so we don't provide any of that. And we don't provide, you know, weapons and armor and that kind of stuff for the battles. So you got to provide that yourself. We'll have some vendors there that are, um, that will be selling that kind of stuff. Lots of people have lots of extras. We've gotten really good at helping people that have never done this before, learn all about it, get involved, you know, learn all the rules, the how to's. Um, and you know, um, they, they have a great time because they don't come in, they don't come in with any expectations. They don't know. I think that's, that's why we like being a part of the night's watch community so much is because you guys are, on a similar level to to what we're wanting to do with LARPing, you guys are doing it with gaming. Mm-hmm. And it's great to be working alongside you guys and in your part of your community to to witness that. Everybody get your tickets and come out with us. And that's true. Thank sure you for buying a ticket. I basically sight unseen. I think that's really cool. Yeah. The great, the great thing yeah. is we already have the people that are signed up for Heinefall. A lot of them are, are first time LARPers. More, probably more than half at this point. But it's also great to have um, the Night's Watch people coming because we know you guys like to, to do things right. And this is since this is our first year, everybody who comes will be an influential part of the event. If that makes sense. Are you being approached by some of the veteran LARPers and saying, what you should do is... Not really. It's, it's more like, um, are you going to be doing this? Because they already have some kind of preconceived idea um, of how 
certain different LARPs are run. You know, if they've been to more than one LARP themselves, then they're like, well, you're going to be like this one. You're going to be like that one. Right. Yeah. We get a lot of like, well, what's the magic going to be like? Are you guys going to throw spell packets? Is there going to be fireball, fireball, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, you know, that kind of stuff. There's not, if you're wondering. So Connor, what role, without giving too much away, what role are you going to be playing at Heinefall? Will you be like an NPC? Are you going to be strictly admin? Well, we're honestly still kind of figuring that out because it's our first year. We're, we're pretty strictly staff when we go to the Voyage North. We'll play the game just like everybody else, but we don't have any positions within the game. But at Heinefall, Kyler and I and, and Jordan, are, we're going to be running around like chickens with our heads cut off. So if we have organized time, chickens, organized organized. Chickens. so if we have time to play the games, yes, we, we love to be a part of the lore and stuff, but we're not writing ourselves as Dukes of Heinefall or anything like that. Oh, no. We ran a, a small uh, like test event in November. We, we camped in the grounds and we, we, we played around with the plot and the story. Kyler played our, our, our main NPC and Kyler blew everybody's mind while he was there. And it was, it was pretty damn impressive. So um, we'd like to set, kind of like you have with the gaming world and the um, brick and mortar LARP shop, uh, set an example. And say to folks, you know, hey, this, you know, well, LARPing can be this or stores can be that or games can be this and that. Here is what you can be doing with it. Here's the next level of, of going that further, much further with it. Well, don't be surprised if you inspire some other people to say, oh, they did it. We could do it, but we're going to do it slightly different or we're going to do it with this genre in mind or we're going to do it at this location. But I uh, hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope people do all kinds of wild stuff. I, I, I want to go to it. So plan it. Like, yep. please. I, I think yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, I think there's going to be a Nightwatch Games Airsoft version of something. We had this uh, event back in Arizona. We were stationed at Fort Huachuca in this small town called Sierra Vista, which is a couple of thousand people outside of the actual army base. So it's very barely a dot on a map. And I arranged this airsoft statewide event and I opened it up to Phoenix and Tucson and some of the other places around Arizona. And we got a huge influx of people that just converged on this little small town, all wearing camouflage. And they've got these high tech BB guns and uh, the law enforcement of Sierra Vista didn't know what to do with us. Actually, funny story. We go out to this land and we had acres and acres of this wilderness to set up this scene. And I was using mannequins dressed up in camouflage with hats and gear on them as uh, the VIPs that had to be assassinated. And so we're lugging all this stuff across this terrain. And Brenda's with me and we're dressed up in our camouflage as well. And as we're Walking across, I've got this mannequin over my shoulder and this Border Patrol helicopter passes over. We didn't think much of it. It's pretty common in Sierra Vista to see that. But then he quickly did a 180, passed over us again, and then passed over us again and started hovering above us. And I realized he's seeing me carry this body across the <laughs> desert. He's thinking, what is going on? So oh, I thought you were saying that was what was pretty common in Sierra Vista. <laughs> Well, there, that, that, yeah. Well, seeing people getting carried across is common as well. So, yeah, we we made some friends with some helicopter pilots that work in the border patrol. I I think we told you guys, uh, Ky Kyler and Connor, when we first met you, use us. You know, we've got between his creative streak and my organizational skills, you know, like really just and we're, that, and we just that, so want to support you guys. That Thanks, worked both ways, that. you know. That worked both ways. Yeah. Go walk, go entering into the shop was just kind of you know inspiring to us. We started Nightwatch Games as a retail space. We thought we were going to be just a game store and a place where people can play games, 
And we knew that there was going to be a community that called us home, but we didn't realize the power of that community and the relationships that were born within the walls of Nightwatch Games. And I think this is going to happen to you guys as well, so prepare yourself. What I'm talking about is people are going to latch on to Heinefall as being a very significant event in their life. And they're going to attach other very significant things to Heinefall, such as this is where I'm going to propose to my future wife. I'm going to be in the middle of a quest and I'm going to get on my knee and I'm going to propose. Absolutely. You guys are going to be that place. Uh, I would not be surprised if somebody comes up to you and says, I want to marry my significant other at Heinefall. Can we make that part of the thing? There's going to be bachelorette parties and bachelor parties and birthday parties, all wanting to sort of put their talents into your event because it's significant to them. And the relationships that they are celebrating were all born from the Heinefall experience. So it's going to be super huge. One of the things I have to warn you about is there's the downside is some of the people that are going to you're going to get to know and they're going to know each other. They're going to pass on and you're going to have sad times of people, you know, just leaving us going off to Avalon, right? They, They shift off and there's going to be those voids created, but there's going to be, again, a celebration of their portion of their participation within the Heinefall thing. And so there's going to be memorials and wakes, and there's going to be celebrations of people's lives, fictitious or real, within your enterprise. Yeah, I mean, really the thing that I'm looking forward to happening the most are is the community and the relationships will be formed around. I mean, um, I'm, you know, I'm sure there will be all kinds of things. People will meet, people will fall in love. Relationships will happen. Lifelong friends will happen. I know that for sure. Cause it happens on the voyage North every year. I, one of the funny stories I always tell people is that on the last day of the voyage North, I, everybody gets woken up at 9am and you have to leave at noon. And people are always like, well, why, why so early? And I tell them, well, it's going to take you an hour to wake up, pack yourself up and go get breakfast. And then you need two hours to say goodbye because it takes that long. Everybody stands around and cries and hugs and exchange. I mean, everybody has each other's contact information already because of Facebook and discord and whatever, but like, it's, it's, you know, we have to shoo people out at 12 o'clock. We're like, go, you have to go now. We have to tear this whole thing down you know, get out of here. And people are like, no, just, I mean, like my kids, just five more minutes. Just five. Can we just stay here for five more minutes? It is. It it really is. And I I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to is, is seeing that community develop. That that sense of um, magic and community is something that we've, we've talked about since day one. It's one of the, the core reasons why we do what we do is to provide that escape and that, that life changing magical event for people that experience that sticks with them forever. And then they find their people. And yeah, one of our main goals is, is to work with other communities like night's watch games. If, if we are uh, driving a boat and we're pulling people into our wake, hopefully five years down the line, we have a fleet of boats. Night's watch games is a boat pulling people in Heine fall is a boat pulling people in. And we have other communities who are, who are joining us on these crazy endeavors and, who want to be a part of the magic. It's a LARP armada. (laughs) (laughs) There's the mission. Awesome. So again, a lot of momentum. We're really excited about where this goes and we really want to be uh, a part of it. So if you guys are looking for any kind of help, whatever you guys may need from now until execution time, we'd love the Sanctuary and Nightwatch games to be integrated there because you can't be happy by yourself. For sure. Yeah, we appreciate that a lot. 
All right. This is Pork and Brenda of Nightwatch Games Podcast. We're signing off, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.